welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 30th of November 2014. Here's Brother Tom Canfield. So you saw a lot of children and basically 50% of the population is 16 years old and younger. And I think back to Babylon, if you're going to reach a nation, they trained up the youth because it's the leadership of tomorrow. And so you saw a lot of Wazungu, a lot of white people. Some of them are you, (laughs) and some of them are exactly like you. They came to Kenya to be a part of the ministry there. And what what an impact it makes. And and you can see, and, and I think Denise, we, we had over 60 visitors come over the last few years. And that, if you ever get the chance, I think it will be a blessing you go to the fields that you support. Because for me, when I first went to a mission field, it changed the way I looked at missions. And I think it would you too. I really think God would use it not only to bless the people you go to minister to, but to bless you. And that's, I don't know how many times, we've been really blessed with visitors who have come, who have, have not come for a holiday. They've come to minister with us, and that, that's huge. It really is. And so, if you would care to do that, by all means, come. We will find a place for you to stay, and I think it's reasonable, and <laughs> I think you will be blessed. And, and so you can see those little faces. One thing I was going to say is, in Kenya, 50,000 children a year are orphaned due just to AIDS alone. That's a lot of kids. And so, I mean, you can see there's a lot of children, and, and hence the orphanage. But this evening, I want to look at, at Job chapter 1. But I was thinking... How many of us look in the mirror? Pretty much all of us. And, and we look in the mirror before we go out or when we get out of the shower and, and we want to look the best that we can look. And some of you look better than some others of us. But you look in the mirror and you, oh, I need to straighten my hair. I need to, for me, I need to comb my mustache or whatever. And it's why. It's because I want to look the best I can look. I want to be the best I can be when I go out. And so this evening, I want, to, I want to challenge us to look at ourselves spiritually in the mirror. And, and notice the same, imperf- well, maybe not the same imperfections, but the things we see that, oh, we need to touch up in our lives. So that when we look in the mirror we can see a Christ-likeness in us. Because to be quite honest with you, if I don't go look in the mirror, I'm not going to notice that my hair is messed or, you know, I got, I, I got something that needs attention. The same is true spiritually. If we don't look in the mirror to see, uh, take a look at our lives, how are we going to know what's amiss? I mean, 
the Holy Spirit uses God's word in our heart to convict us of sin or to bring challenges into our life, bring things to light that we would see so we can be more like Christ. And so this evening, uh, Job chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, I'm just going to kind of go through them. For the sake of time, I'm not going to read the whole passage, but in Job chapter 6, and we're going to kind of jump around a little, but in Job, excuse me, not chapter 6, verse 6, chapter 1, it says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And verse 7, And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, and I want I stop and think about this, the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. So let me let's stop here really quick and let's let's pray and then we will continue. Lord, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for the opportunity to again to look into your word. Lord, I pray that you would use this time to bring honor and glory to yourself. Lord, help us to look into the mirror of our life that we would see what we need to do. And what you would need to do in us, Lord, that we could be more Christ-like. And I pray that you would give us the strength and the wisdom to seek you in that change. And Lord, we'll give you the honor and the glory for all that you do. For it's in your name and for your honor and glory. Amen. So, what I, what I, I think as, as I read through this, what really struck me, was God sees, he sees our heart. He sees who we are. And as, as, as God was speaking to Satan, he said, have you considered my servant Job? And, and when I last studied this, it kind of struck me. Would God say of Tom, have you considered my servant Tom? And in the same way, would he say of you, have you considered my servant and put your name there? And as I thought about that, actually tears started to well up in my eyes because I haven't always been what God would want me to be. And I thought, would God say, have you considered my servant Tom? And as I look in the mirror of my life, I have to say no. God would not say, have you considered my servant Tom? And that was, that was heart-wrenching. After all, I'm a missionary, right? I serve the Lord full-time with my life. And yet, in my heart, I, I just feel like God would not say that of me. And that's, that's a sore reality. And not that I'm perfect, I'm far from perfect. And not that I'm the worst that I can be, I'm not the worst that I can be. But am I all that God wants me to be? 
And I think too often we look at the outward of who we are and we don't look at who we are within. Because what's on the outside really isn't what God is looking at. We can look the best we can look on the exterior, and we can be just as wicked as can be within. And so as I read this, I was really convicted that am I who God would have me to be? And we need to understand that God... God is asking Satan. God knew exactly who Job was. It was no surprise to God who Job was. And it's no surprise to God who we are. And so here in Job uh, 34, verse 21, For his eyes are upon the ways of man, and he seeth all his goings. There's nothing, nowhere to hide. It's the same God in Kenya as it is here. It's the same God in America. He sees us no matter where in this world we are. So we don't escape the gaze of God. 1 Samuel 16, 7, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, who's choosing a king for Israel, or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. It's funny how I hear story after story. I've met people after people who have come to know the Lord. And when you first see them and meet them, you want just by their outward, you, you may be saying, Well, ooh, wow, they don't they don't look like a Christian. But God is working from within. And I don't have to say, Oh, you need a haircut, you need to wear, you know, a proper trousers and a and a suit to church, or what you need to come appropriately dressed. Because God is gonna do that. But God's looking at their heart. He's not looking on the outward. And again, too often, not only do we look at the outward of ourselves, we look at the outward of others. And we make, can I, I'll be honest with you here. Okay, so motorcycle riders, bikers in America, the ones with the tattoos and the leather jackets and the, I struggle. So I've had opportunity to witness to some, and it's been a challenge because I think, okay, here's the opportunity, but Wow, I really don't even want to talk to these guys. But what am I doing? I'm looking, I'm not looking for their heart and, and looking that they need a savior just as much as I do. I'm, I'm being concerned with their exterior. But again, God knows their heart, just like he knew Job's heart. And so we need to understand that though we don't physically see God with our eyes, God is not dead. God is still on his throne in heaven. And he is still looking down at the hearts of men, women, and children around this world, including you and I. So what was one of the things that God saw in Job's heart? If, if, we, if we go 
to verse 1 of chapter 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And so here in this passage, this text, this word, (coughs) excuse me, um, perfect does not mean perfect in the sense of without sin. What it means is he was complete in his, God had given him all he needed to be in a right relationship with him. Though the Messiah had not come, Job sought God. He sought to please God with his life. And so he was upright in the sense that he sought to be right before God. And understand, this was before um, Moses, the Ten Commandments, the Abrahamic Covenant, it's perhaps the earliest written book in the Bible. And so this, this man, by all understanding, he would, he would have been counting on creation and the testimony of time about who God was. And yet he saw there was God. And he wanted to be in a right relationship with God. And he feared God, and that, and that word feared is not like, oh, I'm terrified, though it, it has an element of physical fear, but it also has the idea of awe and respect for who God is. Because even creation is a testimony to who God is. And so man is without excuse. And then he eschewed evil, and that's, that word eschewed is not a at least not where I'm from. It's not a common word used anymore. And the idea is that he hate, he hated evil. Or he, when he saw it, he ran from it. He avoided evil. And those are, those are some pretty key elements to living a godly life. Often, as a Christian, we say, well, how close can I come to sin without really crossing over into sin. I want to get as close as I can to the edge, but I don't want to sin, Lord. But, well, let me get, I want to do what I want to do. Just just give me a black and white line that I can get close to. Well, here, um, Job is saying, well, if this is the line, Lord, I want to be away. I want to be over there. I don't want to be close. I want to avoid evil altogether. And so we need to avoid evil. And that doesn't mean try to get as close as we can to it without sinning. It means there's evil. Run the other way. Get away. Because we find temptation is very subtle. Well, I can, I can, I'm okay. Lord, I can go to the pub or, or wherever, and I'm not going to drink, but I'm just going to get, you know, something to eat. Or, you know, we, we, we can get close, and I'll be okay. In Kenya one time at the Bible college, I had one of the young men, or it could have been a pastor's conference. I think it was a pastor's conference. He asked Tom, is, is, it, is it okay to drink? What does the Bible say about drinking alcohol? 
Is it, is it a sin? And you know what? I told him, you're asking the wrong question. You're asking me, Tom, how close can I get to sinning and not sin? The question is, is not, is it a sin? The question is, is it wise? Is it wise? Do you know what? My father was an alcoholic. Much of my life, I would come home to a drunk dad. When he wasn't working, he was drinking. You know what? My father never would have been a drunk had he never touched one drink. But he was, he was, he was a man. It was okay. I'm strong. I can, I can control this. I can handle this. But the truth is, you know what? If, if you will, it snuck up on him. Before you knew it, he was no longer in control, but it was in control of him. And, and you could talk to my five brothers and sisters, and they would all tell you the same thing. My dad was ugly when he was drunk. He's, he was not fun to be around. And it all started with one. It's not, is it a sin? Is it not sin? It's, is it wise? And too often we ask the wrong question when we're living our life as a Christian. We, don't, we say, how close can I get? How close can I get? Am I still legal, Lord? Am I still okay? When we should be saying, is it wise? Is it wise that I, you fill in the blank. Is it wise that I do that? And that was Job's attitude. It wasn't how close can I get? It was, is it wise? And we need to have the same attitude. So there's a book that I read um, it's called The Biblical Theology of Missions, written by George Peters. And he gives this uh, picture of the true nature of sin. So I want to read this to you. It really, it jumped out at me. He says, sin is not merely error or weakness or natural imperfection or absence of good. Sin is moral perversity. It's willfulness against God. It's social evil, a false direction of mind, affection, relationship, and life. It has moral and experiential existence, even though it has no separate metaphysical or theoretical existence. It, sin, is a living, dynamic, self-motivated principle of degenerate spiritual life. Sin is not an original law of the human will, for it is striving or it is determined, it's desiring and acting against God. Sin is man confronting God in a rational or irrational disbelief, in volitional disobedience, in brazen self-love, self-rule, self-redemption, and self-worship. And that just struck me. I mean, basically, in a sense, whose kingdom are we building? Are we building God's kingdom or our kingdom with our life? 
And as I think about God telling Satan, have you considered my servant Job? I'm just reminded that, wow, Tom, you really fall short. But then every man does. Every woman does. Every child does. But Job's attitude was, Lord, I want to be pleasing to you. I want to be right before you. I want to, instead of getting close to sin, I want to avoid it altogether. I think, think with me when Job's children, they were feasting and partying, and what did Job do? He went and he made an offering for his children, not because necessarily that they had sinned, but in case they had sinned. He was was not only active, he was proactive. And, And often, we wait for something to come our way, and we react. When we should be proactive, in other words, we need to be on our knees, we need to be considering who we are, look in that mirror, See, see us for who we are before the Lord, and then, God, help me. Help me avoid evil. Help me stay away from it and, and make wise decisions. Otherwise, we're in trouble. We are. So the first thing we need to do is we need to see and understand that God sees who we truly are. It does, this suit doesn't matter. I can go get an Armani suit and, you know, fancy Italian shoes and I can look good, right? I can go get hair implants and whatever. I can look sharp in the eyes of man, but God's not looking in at the outside. And so it doesn't matter what we look like per se on the outside. We want to be our best for the Lord. But what's inside is what matters. You need to avoid evil. And that, that again, it's not, it doesn't happen by accident. Don't ask the wrong question. How close can I get? What is sin and what's not sin? Can I do this and, or, and not that? Where, where do I draw the line? The, the question is, is it wise? Is it wise? Because though, let's see, I've heard it this way. Often we as Christians sacrifice the best on the altar of the good. It's not, it's not wrong to do this, therefore it's okay. That's, I don't know how many times I read throughout Scripture and I've been, people have quoted to me, Tom, and Jesus made wine at the wedding of Cana. And take a little wine for the stomach's sake. Yeah, that's true. But is it wise? And, and the idea of wine for the stomach's sake was like medicinal. And so we go, well, it's okay. I can do. It's okay, so it's, it's good. If I just have one glass of wine with dinner, it's good. It's not an evil thing. It's not a sin. Well, my dad would tell you that too. I had one beer. It's okay. But what was best? What was best? Had he not touched it, 
Ooh, I bet my life would have been different. I bet his life would have been different. My brothers and sisters, my mothers, those who knew him and know him. He's, he's in his late 70s now, and you know what? He stopped drinking for, I think, three years. He's right back at it. And he hasn't changed. It has got a hold of him. So what is wise? Um, Avoid evil. And then we need to have a right view of who God is. So to have a right view of who God is, is to have a holy reverence for who God is. We really take for granted who we are before the Lord. I think of when Jesus Christ was born, God incarnate, how much love did our God have for us? Immeasurable. But now, who is this Emmanuel, God with us? In the beginning, God created, right? And he did it by the word of his mouth. He didn't get out his clay and start, you know, building away as if he was in some class. No, he spoke into existence all that was. Nothing is created without what God created out of nothing. And that's, wow. I look at modern physicists and and science and sending people to the moon and satellites and, and all the wonderful things that have developed through the years. And all that is nothing compared to who God is. Nothing. I, I like what someone, I forget who, I don't know who said it to begin with. But they said, what is it? There's, do you realize that no new thought has occurred to God? There's nothing, there's nothing that he doesn't know? There's no new ideas that are new to him? Our modern technology God had full understanding when he created us and has taken man however long to catch up. You know, 15,000, 7,000, 8,000 years to catch up to where God is. And that's nothing. I was on the airplane on the way over with a doctor um, whose family, what's the country north of India? Uh, Pakistan. He's from Pakistan, Islamic man, and we were talking about the complexities of the human body and how God had, it's so complex to think that man will understand the complexities of this body. There's no way. And here this man was raised in Islam, and he's saying, this is, you know, God created this so complex that we, in our modern technology and all that we have, we can't understand it. Why, do, why will this medicine work with this person and not that person? Just amazing. But we need to know God for who he is. And you can't, by the way, you can't do that apart from this. Being in God's word, being on your knees, 
Proverbs 8.13, for the fear, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogancy, and the evil way, and the froward mouth I do hate. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 2 through 7, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give Subtility to the simple and to the, young, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase in learning. A man of understanding shall attain unto the wise counsel to understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And it goes back to Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And we are answerable to God. And so... We need to understand who we are before God. In other words, he sees our heart. And we need to look in the spiritual mirror and and do like a checklist. And not for the sense of legalism. Oh, well, look how good I am. But Lord, help me to change. Help me to see where I fall short. And Lord, then change me. Bring it, keep bringing it to mind. So that it's fresh. I can ask you anew every day. And you know what? In time, you look back and what I was struggling with last year is probably not the same thing I'm struggling with this year. Because God has grown me in his word. God has grown me by his spirit. Avoid evil rather than how close can I come? And then have the right view of who God is. And you say, Tom, what does that have to do with missionaries? What does that have to do with serving the Lord? You know what? I can't serve the Lord if I'm not right with him. Instead, I become the mission field rather than the missionary. And that was not God's intent for my life, nor yours. And so we really look at our lives. And I'm not saying... You look in the mirror and you say, oh, oh. But we look in the mirror and say, oh, got to fix that. And maybe it's not big, but sometimes maybe it is. And then you are the missionary rather than the mission field. And that's God's intent for our life. Job, his friends came around him and what did they do? They ridiculed him for, oh, Look, you're not doing this right, and you're not this right. And in all this, what does the Bible say? In all this, Job, sin not. I would love to be able to. In all this, Tom, sinned not. And that's my goal in life, and it should be our goal in life. That God would look down and say, Ah, have you considered my servant 
And get this, this is what I love about the whole thing. Do you realize nothing that God allowed into Job's life? Think of all that God allowed. The house killed his children. Uh, The thieves came and took all his animals. I think four times we're told of the calamities that God allowed into Job's life. But why? Was it a surprise to God? No, those calamities brought God honor and glory because of how Job responded. You can take everything but his life. And God was glorified in his life. God knew the heart of Job. He didn't give him anything he could not handle. As a child of God, the same is true for you. There's nothing that will come into your life that God did not allow, that God will not give you the strength to overcome. And in doing so, he is honored and glorified. And that is why he left us here after salvation, is that we might honor and glorify him with our lives. And as the Holy Spirit lives in you, you have the power to do it. And so I don't want to keep us long, but I do want to challenge us to look in the spiritual mirror. I want us to trust, see, look at us, how God would be looking at you. Don't don't flirt with sin, but avoid it. Run from it. And, And keep a right view of who our God is. Because there's no one, nowhere stronger and more powerful than our God. And we can trust him. Mm-hmm.